in 1 Timothy chapter 4, reading verse 12 through 16. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate on these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do ask for the blessing of your Holy Spirit upon the reading of the Scriptures, that we may understand all that you have for us here in this passage that we may be edified together in faith, and that we may glorify the Son of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we look at this passage, it is a brief passage, of course, as we look at the these uh, last uh, five verses here. Um, yet they do say something to us about... Um, what it means to be an example uh, as a believer. Now, of, of course, uh, Paul does address young Timothy as he um, brings this word to him via the Holy Spirit and the inspiration of scriptures and begins by saying, let no man despise thy youth. Well, as we look about us, perhaps we say, well, we're kind of past youth, we might be somewhere in the middle of middle age or something. Although some of you are much younger than I am, and perhaps you still should be called youth. <laughs> uh, it is generally considered that Timothy might have been in his 30s at this time. Um, though I suppose that's a lot of speculation on the part of commentators, but uh, they have to do something, I suppose, with kind of characterizing the people that they uh, comment on. Um, but yet when we look at the life of Christ, we see that he was probably considered a young man, right? When he was uh, on the earth and started his public ministry. And uh, we might even say that he was in his 30s. And perhaps uh, some of us would say, Oh, to be 30 years old again <laughs> would be a nice thing. <laughs> well, um, as we look at this passage, we want to look at a couple of different areas. First of all, by title, I've given it the title of Be a Good Example. And you may have noticed that in your program your, that I provided for you at the top on the word meeting, um, I did look the word meaning up, and of course this is out of Strong's, the Strong's Dictionary, and it gives you various um, usages of this particular word, 
for example, which is tupos, uh, which we get our word type from. And uh, it says a die as struck. And so we understand that a die would strike a particular type. By implication, a stamp or even a scar. And probably in that regard, you know, you might think of some people who have tattoos. But, um, and I understand that um, some forms of slavery may have had a, a kind of mark on them. By analogy, a type, a shape, a statue, um, a style, resemblance, especially a sampler or type, as it says here, or by illustration, model, or for imitation or instance, for warning, an example, fashion, figure, form, manner, pattern, print. Now, of course, with all, with all Greek words, there is usually some sense of context as to why they particularly use one word over another. And in this particular case, they use the word example as um, in context, it seems that Paul is exhorting young Timothy to live out a certain pattern in his life, a certain example. And I guess we can understand why that is important, can we? To live out a certain pattern or an example in our lives. And so as we read verse 12 again, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example. This is the word tupos, which we get typed from, of the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. I simply uh, use these the statement, the die is cast early in our Christian life to be a good example. Well, coming to faith in Christ, uh, there should be a certain bent in our walk with God when we first become a Christian. Our example is to follow Christ. We are to follow Him. And for anyone who is truly born again of God, then that is, I think, their desire to be in it, to follow Christ. You might think of the disciples and how that they were to follow Christ. And each of them, though they were of different personality and different character types, examples, yet we find that Christ took time to teach them and to nurture them as to be disciples of Christ, to be servants of the Lord. And so when we first come to faith in Christ, and I'm sure you remember when you first came to faith in Christ, that I'm sure your desire was to follow the Lord. 
And uh, even though you might say, well, I don't know as I have proven myself to be all that good of an example, but nonetheless that is an aspiration that we are to strive toward. And uh, as we look at this here, we find that Paul seems to be telling Timothy to strive for this, to strive for it. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. And so, uh, very early in our lives, when we come to faith in Christ, we find that this is the thing that we are, are headed toward. We're, we're headed toward being followers of Christ. We want to be a type of the Lord. We, we want to follow Him and to serve now, of course, young Timothy, uh, perhaps Paul is bringing these words to young Timothy in a very meaningful way as he was uh, a co-laborer with the apostle, had been sent to Ephesus, and was there for a specific reason uh, to bring some order, as it were, or to straighten out some things that uh, needed to be addressed. And uh, so he was to be an example to the believers there at Ephesus. And so whatever the church we might be going into, whatever church we might attend, uh, we should try to be an example to believers around us. You might say, well, shouldn't we be an example to the world around us? Yes, we should be an example to the world. But they're not going to accept you the same way as other believers will. Other believers will be looking at you and trying to make some discernment about if you're really a follower of the Lord genuinely or if you're just putting on an act or something. And so it should be a, a, a goal of ours to be an example, a type of Christ. Uh, secondly, our example is demonstrated in conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. So as we look at verse 12 again, he, he says, Be thou an example of the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, and in faith, in purity. And so we find that um, in word, uh, certainly in the type of conversation which we have with other people, I'm sure you have entered into conversation with people before, other believers, perhaps you have even been somewhat shocked or amazed at some of the language they might use. And certainly we are shocked or amazed at some of the language that the world uses. And so as believers, if we are to be a type of Christ, then certainly we need to have a conversation that will honor the Lord. And so our speech should always be that which is to characterize a child of God. To avoid such speech as is somewhat... Uh, 
forbidden or perhaps who might use the word inappropriate and that we might edify people in the things that we have to say and so in conduct or in conversation in the manner of life in which we we conduct ourselves that is the idea involved here in the manner of way we conduct ourselves in love and or charity as the we have it in our text we all understand what the love of God is all about and that love which is directed of God and love would probably suggest something as to motive in conduct as well as the word spirit would perhaps uh, give us some sense of our zeal for the Lord because the word spirit is not capitalized it is probably referring to our zeal our sense of passion of, for Christ and it uh, also mentions here faith and it mentions purity faith and purity now when it comes to the sense of faith perhaps it is talking about faithfulness or we might say our own faith the faith that God has given to us for by grace are you saved through faith and so faithfulness and the kind of faith that we would manifest one to another the kind of faithfulness that would prove us dependable and, and steadfast in the kinds of things that we are saying and doing and then also purity so this might go to motive as well purity of life purity of conduct purity of love and charitableness toward others pureness of faith toward God as each of these we see go to example they all tend to direct toward the kind of an example that we ourselves are going to show to others. And so we find that Timothy is being exhorted in all of these various areas that he might be an example to the believers at Ephesus. Now you, we, we may say, well, this only is re, re, regarding Timothy. Timothy is a young minister, a young servant of the Lord. We might say, well, what does this have to do with me? Well, I think it has a lot to do with all of us. If, uh, if that is required of somebody who is serving the Lord, such as young Timothy would be serving in this church, and maybe he wasn't the pastor, maybe he was simply a, a doctrinal uh, teacher, someone who was teaching, someone who was trying to instruct. Yet at the same time, what believer doesn't or shouldn't have the kind of example that we are talking about when it comes to young Timothy? When we think of the various contrasts to this, certainly we wouldn't want to exhibit a lack of love, 
a lack of purity, a lack of good conduct, a lack of faith or faithfulness. And so these things, as much as he is being, uh, Paul is directing his thoughts to Timothy, they are also very good as an example for us to follow. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And then as we look further here in, in verse 13, life habits that example our faith in Christ and here we find he gives another list of things. He says, attendance to reading, exhortation, and doctrine. Verse 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee. Excuse me, verse 13. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. So here we have another small list of things. Um, the first list of things seems to go to motive and and to um, the kind of person that we might show ourselves to be. And then when it comes to verse 13, this little list of things uh, tends to go to the character aspect of how we are built up in our, in our faith. How that we kind of reveal those, those what is behind um, our following Christ. And we find in, in this one, he begins by saying, give attendance to reading. Now, you, perhaps you can imagine the importance of giving attendance to reading in the scriptures, in public, in the church, in the first century. Um, they didn't have Bibles as we have them now. They couldn't carry one around with them. Um, if somebody was fortunate enough to have some parchment, uh, it would be a, quite a singular thing. Um, and especially the kind of parchments that were um, used in the church assembly. They would have to be either Old Testament parchments, or they would have to be parchments which were written by one of the apostles and so distributed to the churches for public reading. So now we can see the importance of what he is saying here. Give attendance to reading. Make sure you read, read the parchments. Make sure you read them. And so, as Timothy was, uh, was to do this, young Timothy, if he was giving some opportunity to stand up and read, and we know the tradition of the synagogues, in the synagogues, the tradition was for someone to stand up and read the scriptures. And, of course, we have every reason to believe that this was carried on in the local assemblies, too. That, they, that there was somebody involved in reading the scriptures. And sometimes in the more traditional churches, they'll even have a small pulpit off to the side where somebody will go there and they will read the scriptures, perhaps before the pastor gives the sermon for 
the day. <clears throat> and so giving attendance to reading was an important part of the early New Testament church. And, and, and he, said, he tells him this, Till I come, give attendance to reading. And of course, Paul wanted to come and, and to be with them at Ephesus. But uh, he says, at least you can read the scriptures that I send to you. At least you can read the parchments. In word, and so he gives attendance to reading, to exhortation, and of course uh, here we find that exhortation has to do with uh, taking the scriptures and bringing them personally to the attention of those that are being read to. And then the idea of doctrine here as he goes to the third, um, we probably could say is teaching the doctrinal scriptures, the scriptures which are to be taught. And so the teaching or the expounding upon the, the reading of the manuscripts was important in the first century. In fact, it seems to be the kind of format that we even have taken up through all these centuries, we find that pastors do exactly the same thing. We begin with reading the Bible, and after we read the Bible, we use the Word of God to exhort and to teach what the Scripture has to say. And so we have a very biblical pattern which is laid out for us uh, here as to what, is, what goes on in the local assembly when somebody is given the privilege of, of uh, leadership, uh, either as a pastor, as an elder, or in some cases perhaps even as deacons, may take on some role of, of reading the scriptures, especially in the place where if the, if the pastor was not there, if the elder was, uh, was missing or something for uh, a week or a month or for a short period of time. Somebody would have to read the scriptures. Somebody would have to take up this role. And, of course, we can also draw from this that it was meant to be carried on on a regular basis. And so it wasn't to be neglected in any way. And in fact, the very sense of these things being done brought order to the local assembly. This is the kind of orderly format, if you will, that the local assembly was to conduct itself by. There was to be somebody who would read the scriptures, somebody who would exhort from the scriptures, somebody who would teach and set forth the principles or doctrines of the scriptures to others. And so we have a good example here by early New Testament teaching exactly what we do also today in our local assemblies. It says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. And then in verse 14, um, and we're on number three here in our outline, life habits that example our faith in Christ, our attendance to reading, exhortation, 
and doctrine. And then number four, practice your gift. Think about your example. Take seriously your walk. Well, the first one he mentions here in verse 14 is to neglect not the gift that is in thee. And of course, he's still speaking to young Timothy. And we might ask the question, well, what particular gift perhaps is young Timothy being uh, encouraged not to forget? Um, And though we aren't told, yet we find that Paul is telling young Timothy to do some things. He's telling him to read the scriptures in the public assembly, telling him to exhort the people, he's telling them to teach. And so immediately we get the sense that he has been called to minister in the church. And so the gift of, of a ministry in a church and teaching in a church, pastoral teaching or just lay teaching, is, is an important role for anyone to be gifted in. And, um, and, and of course, one of the other things that we note particularly about this, he says, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy. Now, in what sense was prophecy involved? Well, in the early New Testament church, first century, we find that the apostles and the prophets were there and were sanctioned by the word of God and prophecy. As we know that prophecy was not only the expounding of the scripture, but in some sense there was a foretelling of scripture. And in some sense there may even have been people who were gifted in the first century and made statement of prophecy in the local assembly. And it is very probable that someone recognized that young Timothy was a gifted teacher of the scriptures. Now today, of course, we don't have that same mechanism involved. Uh, We don't have the apostles here with us. We don't have prophets who foretell the scriptures. We do have people who proclaim the scriptures, which is a kind of prophecy. But it is forthtelling, it is proclaiming. And um, we get the sense also from this when he says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. And the word presbytery there does refer to elders or the elder people in the church, especially those who would be involved in leadership in the church. And so somebody must recognize those who were young in faith and those who had certain gifts. And so how was this done? Well, I'm sure that some of you have been to ordination services um, in your lifetime. I know Pastor uh, David Lloyd has been. He served as a pastor for a while in uh, Santa Refingham. But I'm not sure, did you serve in other places, Dave? Falls. Oh, here? North Conway with my dad. North Conway? With my dad, yeah. Yeah. So, but ordination today was a kind of setting forth of someone who they believed was 
call to ministry. I was ordained in the Ossipi Mountain Baptist Church a number of years ago, and there was a, um, a whole group of men, pastors, if you will, or if you would call them presbyteros, they would be called elders. But they were a group of pastors, and they came, and they conferred their blessing upon me as I was ordained to the ministry. Now, they didn't give me a gift. They just recognized the, my ability to preach and to teach. And uh, in that sense, probably is what was going on here as well. In these young assemblies in the first century, somebody had to recognize who was gifted to carry on the ministry. Probably Paul would have been the first one that recognized young Timothy was gifted. After all, he is the one who was writing concerning him and also recommending him to the church at Ephesus. And so um, we find that today by ordination um, there is a group of men who usually come together and they agree together that a person, a candidate, has been called to ministry and has gifts of ministry and so they set their set forth their hands upon him, so to speak. They pray over that person after questioning that person and they recognize their calling to the ministry, that person's calling to the ministry. And so in that sense, probably there was something more simplified which was going on here, uh, although not exactly the same. For in the first century, of course, it was the beginning of the New Testament church. Um, and we find that even though that Timothy is written sometime around 51 AD, at least according to this date of writing I have in my Bible here, um, we find that there would have been a carryover from when the church first was uh, uh, brought into being and it in uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, that the, and the assemblies began to meet, it would have been this kind of a gathering together of people and a conferring upon individuals who they felt was gifted to ministry. And so what is Paul doing? He's saying to young Timothy, neglect not the gift. If you have a gift, God wants you to use it, right? <laughs> and we know that that is true concerning the body of Christ. The body of Christ has gifts and they vary in diversity. Each of you have a gift to serve the Lord in, with. Each of you. They're not, they're not the same, but they're, they're different in many respects. And we know that the Bible tells us that this is true. And so he says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy. Somebody had to recognize that young Timothy had this gift. With the laying on of the hands of the presbytery, the leaders in the church laid their hands upon him in, the, in that sense of recognizing his gift. And Paul says, Don't neglect what God has given to you. And of course that, that is good um, information for us no matter where we are in the body of Christ. 
we always need to to carry on the kind of gift that God has given us that we might serve the Lord in the capacity he would have us to serve. And then also he says here, meditate on these things and give thyself wholly to them. Well, it's another way of saying, think about it, people. Um, It's important to think about the things that God wants us to do in life. You know, we normally think about meditating, you know, we take the Bible and we read a verse and we concentrate on that passage and we might think about it and say, Lord, what does this mean? Well, it's important for us to think about what it means for us to be a good example of Christ. It's important for us to think about what it means to carry out the kind of conduct, as he says in verse 12, a conduct of love and in the spirit of true believing, truly believing in Christ and in the purity of our faith, carry it out along with the reading, the reading which God has given to us of the word of God. And he, he encourages Timothy in exhortation and teaching, of course. But this, in other words, we need to think about it. I don't know about you, but uh, we perhaps often think about what God wants us to do in life. If you've ever been involved in some kinds of ministry or service, that kind of thing should constantly be on your mind. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to conduct myself? What kind of ministry am I to carry out? How am I to serve in the local assembly? Am I to, am I to be a Sunday school teacher? Am I to uh, aid in some other means of help in the ministry? What kind of gifts has God given to me? We need to think about these things. Young Timothy was supposed to think about these. Meditate upon these things that as uh, Paul had outlined them. Give thyself wholly to them. It gives that sense that we aren't to hold back, but we are to, um, we are to give ourselves wholly, wholly to those things which God has given us to carry out, that thy profiting may appear to all. And so that we, we might prove ourselves, as it were, faithful in the things that God has called us to do. Prove ourselves faithful. And so practice your gift. Think about your example. Think about your example. And then take seriously your walk. Now I had to abbreviate this a little bit here because it's it's quite a lengthy statement. In verse 16, he says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, unto the teaching. Continue in them... Continue in that doctrine, in that teaching, in those things which, which Paul outlined here. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, of course, when he's talking about save thyself, he's, he's talking about you will make sure your walk of faith before others. He's not promoting some other means of salvation. He's just simply, this is the way you confirm your faith to other people. This is the way you confirm your faith to yourself. That you really are truly following the example and type of which God, Christ would have you to follow. 
And then a good example is supposed to lead others to Christ as well. It says, save thyself and them that hear thee. And so, for young Timothy, as for any pastor or anyone who was standing up leading or giving an example or reading the scriptures or teaching the word of God, we find that the, the greatest thing or goal that we have is that we're making some impact on the people that are hearing us. And so as we, as we make, those, make those statements and live out that life for Christ, that type for Christ, we desire that others also might come to faith in Christ. That's, our, that, that's the goal of the, of the minister of the gospel, is that we might lead others to faith in Christ. Now as we know that we are told in the scriptures that one plants, another waters, and God gives the increase. We don't always do the whole process ourselves, but we can be a part of it. We can be a part of it. And for, for the one who stands up in his, in his reading and his teaching or exhorting in the scriptures, they're an, a, a very important part of planting the seed. And, and uh, exhortation is not a small thing either. Exhortation is really is what I am doing right now. I'm exhorting. Because that's what the, the Lord has called us to do, to exhort one another. Uh, that we might be reminded of the kind of example that we are to be. And any conscientious pastor, this is the one thing that they find comes back home to them more than anything else is, is exhortation. Because the pastor needs to be exhorted above, above the congregation. Because if we are not well exhorted in the things that, that we believe, it is unlikely we will come across with much passion about the things which we are speaking, you see. And so, well, what does the young pastor do, or any pastor do? But they, they read at home, they study at home, they pray at home. They think about those things which they have to speak. They write them down. They put, either put them on paper or, or in some way make notation of them that they may be able to communicate those things again. And so the exhortation that the pastor receives is a more personal thing, but yet that personal part of the exhortation comes out in the congregation, to the congregation, by the teaching and the ministry which the pastor gives. But it is one thing for each of us to learn by as well. Because we find that all of these things come home to us as believers. And we are encouraged by them. Um, any kind of ministry that just beats people down all the time is not a good ministry. No, you, you have to build people up. And how do you do that? By letting them know that really then you're no different than they are. And we're all, we all have the same inclinations and problems and the same need. And we all have the desire to fulfill what God wants us to do and to be the type or example God wants us to be, but we need to be encouraged in it. And Timothy was to be this encourager. He was to be this person who would teach, this person who would exhort, this person who would live out, this person would be that example to the believers at Ephesus. 
And of course, we can we can put in there the name of our church. We might be the example of the believers in Effingham Falls, or the example of the believers at Santa Effingham, or any church that you might be going to. That is the the goal of each of us individually, I guess, to be that example and follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul concludes, Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine, the teaching, continue in them, follow through with those very same things, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself, you will assure that your own faith is true and real, and them that hear thee, and them that hear thee. Shall we pray? Thank you, Father, for your words of encouragement to us. Lord, that we might be built up in our faith and that we might be encouraged to be that example. And Lord, that you might remind us often of these things, that we would not neglect them and that we might prove ourselves true, that we'll have the greatest of confidence and assurance of faith that we not only are saved, but that we might be a means of bringing others also to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, for the closing hymn, 525, 525, is your all on the altar. <clears throat>